scared, motherfucker? Well, you should be, because this green beret's going to kick your big ass. I eat green berets for breakfast. And right now, I'm very hungry. Folks, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome as the uh, the sounds of public enemy ring in your uh, ear. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put a little bit of uh, He Got Game on the um, the start of the show, Mark. Oh, nice. Uh, so as as that, that happens with that lovely sample in there, uh, welcome to Food and a Monkey, episode number 31. Um, it is Wednesday the 14th of August at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so it's a weird time, but we've both got the week off, we're not together. Well, we've both got the week off. Uh, my name's Ian Loring. As always, I'm joined by... Uh, Mark Foster. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whenever you listen to this, guys. Fantastico. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Um, coming up on this week's show, main review is the big screen adaptation of uh, much-loved UK comedy character Alan Partridge in Alan Partridge Alpha Papa. Uh, we're also going to have some one old, one new. Uh, we're going to talk about some trailers, and uh, we're going to get to the uh, final part of our Spike Early marathon as we take a look at his 1998 Yep. Thank you. Uh, film He Got Game, starring uh, Denzel Washington and a cast of thousands, uh, at least in film, <laughs> like it. But yeah, let's say. Uh, yeah. uh, so, uh, monkey at gmail.com, at monkey at Ian Loring, at DudeFoz. And in case anyone's thinking it, yes, we are planning on doing a commentary for Streets of Fire when the Blu-ray comes out, hopefully in November. We are indeed. So, Absolutely. yes. So, um, apparently, Second Sight is saying they think November, but it's not 100% defo, defo, defo yet. Um, but, yeah, very, very excited about Streets of Fire actually getting a UK Blue release. Um, I, I'm sure you would echo that, Mark. Without question, yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, right, uh, but without further ado, let's get on with it. So, uh, Mark, what trailers have you seen? Uh, since we last recorded, and it's it's been a little while, hasn't it? So yeah, it, it's been about sort of ten days since we last recorded. Um, but the thing is, there's not actually been that many trailers. There's been a lot of trailers for stuff that's already we've already got trailers for. Like there's been a another councillor trailer. I'm still really looking forward to the councillor. Uh-huh. Another Captain Phillips trailer. I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that could be a, a very sort of strong film. It looks like 
Tom Hanks actually doing something that is is interesting him, and it's not just going through the motions and making sure he makes a big screen appearance every couple of years. Um, but the actual sort of really jump out and grab me trailers of the past sort of ten days. So uh, the trailer for the new Spike John's film, um, her. Uh, I, I think that the fact that they've moved that film back a couple of weeks as well um, to get it dead into Oscar season suggests that they might have very high hopes for that film. Uh, putting somebody as ridiculously talented as Joaquin Phoenix in front and centre of your film and asking them to play a slightly awkward, not hyper awkward, but a slightly awkward character and um, and then surrounding with you know the the creme de la creme of, of female acting talent at the moment really is is always going to generate a, a lot of interest. Uh, I think it looks very very good. I think the trailer is intentionally misleading to grab people in to make it look like it's this warm and fuzzy film. I think it could end up having quite a punch behind it. Yeah, because I mean it, 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 that's interesting. Like, I, I like the trailer as well, but like Mondo Dan tweeted me when I, I said I liked it, saying he thought it looked awful. And I think I think it is because I, I, I think Dan would agree with this that the, the trailer does seem to position it exactly as you say. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, like Spark Jones has got a very, Spike Jones even Spark Jones. Sorry, Spike Jones has got a very dark heart beating un- underneath. Um, you know, where the wild things are is, you know, incredibly mournful Dark. Yeah. For, uh, for what that is positioned as. And mm. uh, I, I, I think her could be that. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking now. It's been moved back a month to December the 18th. Yeah, um, which, which you know, positions it firmly. Well, for a start off, they've moved it away from Hobbit, which suggests that they think that it might be able to make some money. And also, they've moved it right into Oscars season. When's Hobbit out? Hobbit's out, I think that in have it out late November. I swear Hobbit's out mid December. Hobbit Hobbit out. is out the day the kids due, uh December the thirteenth. Alright, alright, I'm, I'm, I'm completely off that then. <laughs> um so no so it's it's December eighteenth, so that's around the same time as Anchorman the Legend continues. Mm. Uh even though like I, I think it those films share an audience, but I think there are also certain audience members that would be for one or the other. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I, um, I'm very, very intrigued by uh, by her. Um, I, I, I said this on Heroes, but I, I think it stands. I, I, it still stands, though. I hope that this isn't kind of Spike Jones kind of like fantasizing having this character in it being like himself, like having relationships with these women. Because in the trailer, he seems kind of socially autistic. And I find it hard to believe that this character would get both Rooney Mara and um, Amy Adams. I um, I read a, a little short interview with um, Joaquin Phoenix talking about it. Uh, and that sort of question was put to me that you're playing quite a socially awkward character. And he said, how is he socially awkward? Was his response. He said, well, you know, he comes across as being quite socially awkward. And his response to that was, in the... I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I don't get the question. And no, he's not, he's not socially awkward. He might be slightly socially broken, but he's not socially awkward. And it was that idea that he's maybe... 
that he probably that he he was he, I think he was insinuating it's very hard to read Joaquin Phoenix though. Oh, I, that just sounds like Joaquin Phoenix being prickly more than yeah. Anything. Well, he is very prickly, isn't he? Um, but I, I, he seems like a character where I don't think he's socially awkward. Just that he doesn't want to socially interact with people. He's not. You know, he's not living in his parents' basement or anything like that. There's not that about it. It could be a very interesting... I think we'll find out more as more trailers come out, but I kind of also, in a way, don't want to find out more. It's one that I'd like to just kind of... Like, right, I've seen that trailer. I'm interested. Um, Spike Jones has picked the absolute perfect female voice to voice this computer in Scarlett Johansson. It was, apparently, uh, it was um, Samantha Morton. Um, until fairly late in the game, and then she drops out, and Scarlett Johansson replaced her. I could see, could see either working. Mm. Um, but then again, and this is being completely honest, but Scarlett Johansson has a very distinctive voice. Yes, um, and it, it's quite an evocative voice. And as well as that, is when you're watching it, um, you know, you're supposed to get the idea that this is has become his perfect woman, and subconsciously having that subconscious image in the back of your mind that it's Scarlett Johansson, I think heightens that or might heighten sort of that feeling a little bit while you're watching I it. Whereas in, yeah. in the back of your mind you're always knowing that. You know, I'm not saying that you know Samantha Martin, you know, was a very attractive woman, so you know, there's those things I think to compete. But you know, this is all I mean we've had all this off off essentially like a two and a half minute trailer. Um, I mean, like you've also got that little moment where, like, the, the operating system's booting up, and like, the, it asks him a couple of questions, and one of them is like, "How is your relationship with your mother?" And, and, he, it, he, and he just he goes, goes, "Uh," <laughs> and <then> it's like <laughs> the optimizing system, you know. That, that I, I, I love that. It, it, it's those kind of weird little, and that might not have anything to do with the plot, but that kind of odd little eccentric detail. Yeah, um, it, that, that's it, what I love Spike Jones for. Yeah, I uh, need to. Um, I went, moving on, only the other trailers I watched uh, was the Monuments Men. Um, this, if you were to describe this film to somebody, um, they would straight away go, "Oh, is that a George Clooney film?" Yeah, this just sounds like a George Clooney film. It'll be a solid seven and a half, eight out of ten film. I have no doubt. The story's very interesting. The, the whole the Monuments Men story is a very interesting story. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it, but you know what you're going to expect. It's, it's, really. it's one of those ones that will be talked up in all the Oscar car- uh, categories, but win none of them. Exactly, yeah. Um, and you know, and, and I could already tell once I saw the the cast list crop up, and it said Anne Kate Blanchett. I thought, oh, she's going to do a voice, isn't she? She's going to do a voice, and then in the next clip in the trailer, Kate Blanchett doing a voice yeah. I thought oh you just fucking ruined it for me I really wanted to see that and now I kind of want to see it um, and um, a, a great trailer uh, might be a terrible film might run out of steam but a great trailer for, and there's maybe you want to watch the film which is what a trailer should do is the Fading Gigolo trailer the new Don Turturro film uh, with Woody Allen playing his pimp I haven't seen that trailer yet um, uh, I've been out of the loop a couple of days, but um, I yes, please. Yeah, essentially, it's, it's a, it's a uh, John Turturro film that he's written and is starring in and he's directing, um, where he plays a florist who is convinced by his 
uh, libra- librarian, I think it is, friend, played by Woody Allen, that he should become a gigolo. Um, and so he, he, he becomes a gigolo, and Woody Allen acts, essentially, as his pimp. And yeah. it, it looks very, very amusing. You've also got Sophia Baguera and uh, Sharon Stone in there as well. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that one. Nice. Uh, other than that, uh, not seeing anything else really. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just add a couple. Uh, Muppets Most Wanted. Um, not digging the teaser at all, um, to be honest. Um, but I love the first Muppets film, so I'm I'm very willing to get. I mean, it's the same director. Brett McKenzie's still doing the music, um, and the director's co-writing it. Um, the Ricky Gervais thing worries me a little bit because I can't help but think it's going to be Ricky Gervais trying to be in a kids' film. Um, yeah, I think he's a little bit too cringy and sarcastic for them. Yes, for that that material, to be honest. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It that doesn't feel right to me. Tina Fey is like, yeah, all right, that makes sense. Ricky Gervais, I'm not entirely sure, but we, we, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, saw the the trailer for Diana, um, which Blah. yeah, just the thing is, like, I know I'll have to watch it because Naomi Watts is going to be nominated for Best Actress. Mm. Uh, she obviously is. But that, um, that's that's the sad thing is she's going to be nominated for Best Actress, whether or not. And I'm sure Naomi Watts is a very good actress, and I'm sure she'll be very good in the film, um, but. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I mean, really, genuinely, who who gives a fuck? This is this is, and I'm sure I just don't see this as a, a a story worthy of a movie. It, it, it's it, it's a fucking TV movie story, and yes. it, it's it's going to take up fucking cinema time. I just. I find the whole thing just completely baffling. I don't see why anybody would want to go and see a film about a woman who was put up on a pedestal because she wasn't a complete arsehole. You know, oh, she was very nice because... Why? Because she once touched a man with AIDS. What? Yeah. You know, it... Ah, just... I, I wish wish no harm on the woman. I wish no harm on her memory. But the pedestal this fucking country puts on that woman on is just obscene. So that's Diana, and um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I and um, the last one. I watched the full trailer for Ender's Game. Uh, I kind of watched that with Donna because, like, she just like she was just kind of watching over my shoulder, and then I, I was I, I just said to her, right, tell me what that film's about. And she, <laughs> and, and she was, she just, I haven't got a clue. You know, fair point. You know, I mean, the the trailer for Ender's Game is Harrison Ford and Ben Kingsley mumbling, <laughs> and Azza Butterfield shouting stuff and playing with the set from Minority Report. Yeah, I, that, that that's. I mean, like, I know what the story is, but only because like background, like having a, a, a liking of film. <laughs> the, the trailer for Ender's Game gives you no inkling about what it is other than it's set in space and there's mumbling. <laughs> that's, that's, that should be that should be the poster quote. Yeah, I, I, I like Ender's that. Game set in space and there's mumbling. Ian Laurie. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know, but that that's it. Um, 
anyway, yeah, so uh, that was it for trailers. Um, actually, got a fair bit out of that, fair play. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll do a clip from um, that film that we're reviewing this week. Oh, yeah, um, Alpha Papa, and uh, we'll get into it. Ugh. Oh, just needed to do that. Right. Look, uh, how you feeling about this whole media circus? How you feeling? Between you and me, pretty puffed up, like a, an owl. Let's hope you're a wise one. Nice. I pitched it up. You're not turning out of the park. Synergy. Well, no, that's lesbians. Let me tell you something, Alan. As far as the press is concerned, you are the face of this siege. I am siege face. Exactly. I like you. I like you. He likes me, Len. Jason Treswell likes me. Is that you, Alan? Are you OK? I've got to be quick. Pat only thinks I've borrowed his phone to play Angry Birds on the toilet. Well, of course. What is it? It's a computerised bird-throwing game. Uh, no, I meant... I'm joking, Len. Enjoy me. Everyone else is. Gordale Media think I'm some sort of Christ 2.0. So I'm within a brass head of getting the breakfast show. I'm going to call myself the morning rooster or the talking cock. Alpha Papa is not, as I said, on 35mm Heroes, directed by Declan Donnelly, of Ant and Deck fame, <laughs> uh, but it's directed by a man called Declan Lowry, I believe, uh, and it stars... Is he related to a uh, fictional Bad Boys character, Mike Lowry? Yes, he is. Is he? I thought he was. We, we've crossed dimensions. Um, and um, stars... Uh, uh, stars Alan Partridge. Stars Steve Coogan, Colin Meaney. Uh, and a bunch of kind of regular faces and some new faces as well, including um, the guy from Four Lions, um, the, the 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 white one of the of the group from Four Lions, who seems to have lost a lot of weight. Yes, and good uh, on him. <laughs> yeah, he has lost a lot of weight. Yeah, um, like he, I, I, I thought he was pretty much unrecognisable. So good on him. Anyway. Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa, if you don't know who Alan Partridge is, and to be honest, if you don't live in the UK, there's a large chance you might not. He is a character, uh, Steve Coogan's most famous character, um, who first appeared on uh, the kind of the Chris Morris created and um, Armando Iannucci, I believe. Uh, Actually, no, it was a Radio 4 programme on the hour where he was a sports presenter. Then he was on uh, the day-to-day, and then they spun him off to Knowing Me, Knowing You, and then they did two series of I'm Alan Partridge. Uh, and then uh, a web series, Mid Morning Matters. So he, he's been around for ages, um, and um, he's kind of um, Steve Coogan's albatross, but an albatross he kind of likes to feed every now and then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa. Um, I mean, spoilers throughout the review, but to be honest, there's not a lot you could probably spoil here. No, if you've seen the trailer, then you can pretty much guess what happens in the film. Yes. It's it's not about where you get. It's definitely about the journey. Yes, this film will say. Yes, um, Mark. I I know nothing about what you um, uh, what you think about this. Uh, take it away. Um, I'm for a start off um, just to get it out of the way. I'm not a I'm not a massive Alan Partridge fan, um, but I'm not a I, I don't dislike him at all. I just I, I watched. Probably both series, to be honest, of, of I'm Alan Partridge, but never actually sort of sat down to watch it. I've just seen it in, in bits. I'm not one of those that has the box sets and has the autobiography and thinks that he's one of the greatest comedy characters ever created. Don't dislike him, but I, 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 I never really warmed him that much. So I went into Alpha Papa with the... the, the I, I liked the look of the trailer, thought it looked quite funny, um, 
but was always a little bit wary that some of the things that maybe stopped me from falling in love with the Alan Partridge character might shine through uh, within this movie. Also as well, I'm not a big fan of British comedy. Um, you know, I, I, because there's always that that attempt to make it quintessentially British and that, I don't know, it just it tends to just rub me up the wrong way. So I was also slightly worried about that. Um, and what I found with uh, Alpha Papa was that this is just a wonderfully warm and funny movie. Um, it's not all based on cringe factors. It's not trying to be that, like I say, quintessentially British. It's just trying to be funny. They, um, Coogan manages to keep Partridge enough of Partridge but never he makes him as a sympathetic enough and a likeable enough character while still keeping him a bit of a dick and it, it, it all kind of works there's no real there are bad guys but the bad guys are barely there really with, with Al Papa I, I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed um, the 90 minutes I spent with this movie and as it was drawn to close, I was sat there thinking I could could quite easily watch this for another half an hour because I'm having so much fun with it. Yeah, I um, I, I very very much enjoyed it. Um, I thought I, I thought it was very funny, very 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 funny. Um, but I will say I felt slightly cheated paying to see it in the cinema. Um, be, just because I don't, I, I, I don't think it, it did enough cinematically. Um, I, I don't think it had really any dynamism, uh, uh, to it at all it, it, in terms of the visuals, even though I think, you know, it, it is the film Alan Partridge himself would have made, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, but, and I, I, I appreciate that, but that also feels like a bit of a, lazy way of justifying it um i'm not saying i wanted explosions and gun gun shoot shooting and all that kind of stuff but i could have it, it it just it didn't feel like it belonged on a cinema screen and you know sometimes people are very very quick to say that about things and and yet i don't it, it's like people are just allowing it with alan partridge because they inherently like Alan Partridge anyway. I like Alan Partridge too, and I mean the film is very fucking funny. And in the end of the day, that is the, the the main thing that matters. Are you entertained? Yes. Would I have rather paid to see uh, paid to see this on VOD for a fiver than pay seven pound forty to see it in the cinema? Yes. Yeah, I think there is there is that. It is. It's a stretch to call it a. You know, I can, I, can, I can agree with that. It's not really cinematic in any way at all. It, it's um, it, it's purposefully orchestrated so that it never has to be massively cinematic. Um, and it, it would be interesting to know kind of the budget for it because I'm guessing it won't have been that much really um, because there's no you, there's no like you say, cinematic presence to it. Uh, but then again, often that can that can be the thing that trips up um, TV to movie 
you know, products from from Britain, to be honest. It, it's, it's a lot easier taking, for instance, remaking Charlie's Angels for the screen or anything, or Starsky and Hutch and putting, you know, remaking those and doing those A-team, doing those as big budget cinema things, but taking a, what essentially is a 30-minute TV character uh, and putting them on the big screen if you go too much and you go too big, it ruins the whole aesthetic of the character. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I, I just... I think of... Um, I think of, like, Shaun of the Dead, where they had a low budget. And, mm. you know, there, there is action and there, there, there is gore. But it's not like Hot Fuzz. It's not like Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, where they're kind of amping that stuff up. It, it just, it still feels like it, it I don't know, it, 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 there is a it feels like a film rather than a, a, a than an expanded film. TV show. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, th- the thing is, this film obviously had a low budget, obviously, and I, I think it went into number one this week, and good on it. Mm. You know, that that's fantastic. You know, I just, it, <sighs> It, 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 I mean, it, 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 it's weird that it's bothering me this much because I gave it a four out of five on Letterbox, and I, 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 and I hold to that. But I just, and I mean, I, I, again, I said this on Heroes, so apologies, anyone who's already listened to that. But I, I would have been less bothered if I used my Cineworld card on this, but the timing reasons, I had to go and pay and see it at a showcase instead. I, I, I think I would have been happier just using my Cineworld card and knowing that basically I was essentially I was getting it for free anyway because the amount I used that card. Um, so it just I don't know it felt wrong being on a big screen that, that I mean that that's I, I think that's the the crux of my argument but I mean it, I mean if we get down to the the, the, the I mean the, the the comedy in it I mean Coogan is it, it, it just melts into the character it, yeah, it, it, it's it, insane there, there's it's, not a bit of Coogan to him no it is it is lightning quick as well the stairs there's points where what it does is it'll it'll almost like shotgun um, approach where it'll go bang and it'll throw four or five quick jokes bang 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 and then it'll settle for a few minutes and you'll you, you'll kind of pull through and then it'll throw another load of jokes at you and then another load and they come in sort of in a space of like thirty seconds you'll have four or five little one liners that'll creep together yeah and. I think having um, Colm Meaney as the the kind of the fake bad guy, he's the guy, you know, the comedian, uh, uh, sorry, the, the um, DJ uh, who Alan kind of gets sacked, but he thinks that Alan's his big friend, so uh, when he takes over, you know, he hijacks the radio station, he, he uses Alan as his sidekick. Um I think having Cole Meany there works very well because his presence is quite good. He's quite a, a good comedic actor. And, you know, he's he's not the bad guy, but he's in the bad guy's place. The bad guy, really, a little bit, is Alan and the um, the guy from... The guy from Gordale Media. Gordale Media, yeah. that's They're the bad guys. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's... I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I think calling uh, Alan a bad guy is is a bit 
I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, there are moments, you know, like... He's, he, uh, he, he's the one who's responsible for the, the situation that they're in. Well, there, that, now, there's the question, though, because did they actually take his advice to heart? Because, I mean, like, did that, when he comes into that meeting, it's really embarrassing. I mean, it's excruciatingly embarrassing. And I can't imagine they directly listened to him. I think that's... That's a point that's ever so slightly fudged in in, in the film. Whether, you know, because, okay, he said Jack, just sack Pat. So Alan certainly didn't help that situation. But I don't think they listened directly to him. I, think, I mean, maybe not, but but I think the, the idea of it is there, I think. But yeah, maybe, maybe they didn't listen to him because that is a, a, a horribly kind of, it, it, it's it's an uncomfortable bit where you're watching him and he, he's he's coming up with all these bits and it's it's that that's the greatness of, of, of the character is in that little scene there where he's he's so overconfident in himself and you know thinks that that he's sort of this great raconteur and when actually he's he's incredibly pathetic. But the best moments in the film are the moments when he realises how pathetic he is. Like, there's a great moment where he he walks back into the the station after going outside, uh, and he doesn't know that Pat has come back at the station and taken it, you know, hostage. And he's walking in, and he's doing that little dance, and then he pushes up the sleeves of his leather jacket. Yeah. And then and he realises yeah. and pulls them down again before he gets into the what is it? And it, it's those little moments where he realises that he's actually a little bit pathetic. Those little moments that just happen a few times throughout it are, are brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, but I mean, there were some quieter moments I liked as well. Like there's a moment early on when Lynn walks into his kind of den. Yeah, and, and like, what's he fucking saying before she walks in? He he's just kind of mumbling to himself, and like, it just yeah. And then he, he starts going on about birds or something. Whales? Oh, is it whales? Is it? I think it's whales. Yeah, and and, he, and just the the boobs in his glasses, and, and <laughs> it, it just that kind of stuff is is incredible. And I, I love. I love the character of Lynn as well because you never quite get whether she kind of notices or not. Uh, like the things that he's saying and doing, the fact that they are stupid. Like sometimes there are moments where she's just quiet and you don't know whether she's she's twigged. I I I I, I think the the woman who plays Lynn. Um, fuck. I need I need. That's not fair for me to just say. Oh, Felicity Montague. It is. Felicity Montague. Thank you. I I I, I think. She's fantastic. I, I love her little arc as well. Um, and the um, she's not going to give any interviews. And they're like, well, we'll do your hair and makeup. And then she's like, oh, really? Yeah, it, it, that, it, it, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, the, the, little, the little card at the end where she, she kind of agrees that maybe she did get ideas above her she, Oh, she stuck her neck out a bit too much or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that, and, and I mean, I just some of the... I, I, I don't know. I mean, some of the staging is is kind of well done. I mean, I will say, like, there's there's a, a, the best moment in, in individual moment in the film for me actually was when um, Alan's on air and um, he sees through the kind of the, the, the window um, uh, uh, Pat 
kind of sticking his shotgun up at the, at the people and yeah. um, he's trying to fill time and he just starts saying random words. <laughs> and often it's stuff that you can see in yeah, front of him. Yeah, and he's like, it's our win a bin and window competition <laughs> by rearranging these words. You know, it's uh, it, it, it's incredible. And then like that and then he's like, and then he just puts on the Ski Sunday music and then it's the Ski Sunday theme tune just like while, um, while all that kind of stuff's kicking off. It, it's, it, I mean, that, that's fantastic. It's the yeah, the great moment, and now here's the theme tune from Ski Sunday. <laughs> uh, Just the fact that he says that as well, you know, it's it yeah, it, uh, it it is very very funny. Yeah, and some of the one of the more great moments is when um, Pat's explaining the um, the gun holster thing, and he's like, yeah. so he shows him by putting it in, and there's like a tube, and there's all the masking tape, the duct tape, so wrapped round it. And he puts it in, he's like, you know, if anyone comes in, I don't even have to aim, I can just run over here and pull a trigger. And there's a great moment later on where Alan turns on and says, I suppose you, you, you get to the point where you don't even remember that there's a gun pointing to your head, do you? And he's like, no, I, I'm very well aware of it being yeah. there right now. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's it just like, I, 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 liked, um, I like that character as well because he does kind of ever so slightly at times actually ground the film. And, and, yeah. and kind of ju- ju- does just say, well, you know, actually, this is quite a serious situation. Yeah, and it, uh, Tim Key, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, stand-up comedian. He's done quite. I've seen him do stand-up before, and he's 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 very dry. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he does um, he does a a, a thing on um, like uh, Charlie Brooker's Newswipe as well. Uh, where he does kind of poetry, and it, you know, that's that's very very dry too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the supporting cast are, are pretty good. I mean, I, I think Phil Cornwall is a little bit... Too much. It, yeah, it, it's a bit one note, and just, it, like, all right, great, you're an ex-scag addict, fine. Yeah, there's, 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 there's too much of it. It's, it's funny for the first few bits, but when it keeps going back to him, it's like, mm, all right, we, 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 we get it. All he ever does is talk about the fact that he used to be a drug addict. Uh, and that does get a little bit dull after a while. Mm. I could do with more Sean Pertwee. Yeah, I mean that that oh god that the fir- that first scene they have together is incredible. And, and then following on from that, the uh, the other guy he's like, "What's your favourite siege?" <laughs> yeah, and they both they both had the same favourite siege. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, 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 I don't know. Just moments like that, the kind of the the, the sad bastardry of it is is. Very well done. It's timeless as well. Like, I mean, and, and maybe this is this could be a criticism of this film as well, frankly. But this film could have been made fifteen years ago, and you barely would have had to change anything. Well, you see, I what that's one of the things I like about this film is there's no there's no cultural references that make it of now. There's nothing. There's no reason why in three years time or five years time you can't go back and look at this movie, watch this movie again, and there won't be like a, a, a celebrity singer that's guested that you go, oh god, what was the world thinking of when that was popular? And there's there's nothing like that. It's not gone for the the cheap insert into trailer, well known public celebrity face. It's not gone for that. And and that was that was one of the things that I really I liked about it was the fact that it doesn't go for those things that something like Keith Lemon fell foul of so horrendously. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Shaun of the Dead in that in in that respect. I mean, I, I rewatched Shaun of the Dead a, a, a few weeks back, and I mean that that film has barely aged. I mean, yeah, like, what is it? It's nine years old as well, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, like. I mean, the only thing that's really aged about it is the fact they're playing Time Splitters on the PlayStation Two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, aside from that, like the, mu- the musical references still kind of stand up. Um, you know, the uh, I mean, they're, they're, like you said, there's nothing in there that particularly ties it to a time. Um, but I mean, like when I when I say it, it, I mean that could be a criticism of the film. I mean, just in terms of the the filmmaking itself, I don't know. There's just nothing in there that. Couldn't have been done when uh, in the years that Kevin and Perry Go Large came out. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it, it's it's. I think that that also ties back into the. It, it's not terribly cinematic. Yeah, and I mean, but I mean, I don't know. It just it is difficult because it you know it's Alan Partridge. What did I expect? And it was like. I, I did expect Alan Partridge, but I don't know. Like, because in the marketing, they, they they've been saying that you know they didn't want to do Alan in America or something like that, just because like the usual kind of big uh, TV to big screen kind of adaptation, like British thing that they do. And like they go because, abroad, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they 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 were saying that they were they were actually trying to make effort to make like a believable plot, which still kind of like did deserve to be on a big screen. I just I don't. I, I just don't think that there, there was enough of that there, really. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it, it was budget. I think, I think that's what. It, but also, I mean, the director is a TV director, and this is his first film. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of shows quite I, a lot. It would have been interesting if. Yeah, a TV director who had done film as well. I mean, like he never would have done it in a million years, but someone like like Ben Wheatley, just in terms of his background, you know, some someone who has experience in TV but knows how to how to make a film as well. You know, I mean, like you you look at the uh, the, the step up between um, Down Terrace and Kill List, for example. Um, and, and and kind of the 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 jump in visual quality. I I love Down Terrace. Uh, I, I actually prefer it to Kill List, um, but the the jump in visuals between those two is marked, and I I I, I, I would have liked to have seen a surer hand with a big screen palette deal with this film. But again, I'm not saying I wanted explosions or car chases or anything like that. I just wanted the visual quality, like the cinematography even, to be a bit nicer. Yeah, it, it, it is very TV. It's just in, in the staging, it's very TV. And again, it's the budget, you know, the, cine- the cinematography is TV lighting. You know, it, it just, I... I, the only concession I think they made to it being on a big, on a big screen is the fact it was in scope. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was that, that that surprised me to be honest. Yeah, I I was I was surprised when the masking went out as well. It, it but I mean it it is a small it, it is a small complaint I suppose. And like I say, it's still a four out of five just for the strength of the comedy for me. But if they'd made a more a bit. If they'd made a bit more of that, I, I would be speaking far, far, far higher of the film. Well, well, also, while we're on for um, just talking about the scope thing, uh, when the film started, um, when the BBC card came up, 
um, it was chopping off about a foot off the bottom of the screen. Oh, that's a shock. Right? However, I didn't see this in a large cinema chain uh, that I usually that I usually have to see films in. Uh, I got to see it in city screen. Um, and I thought, ooh, because I know the guy who's the projectionist there. Yeah. I thought, I'll just quickly whip out and tell him. Before I got a chance to, boom, all sorted out, set, done, fine, within seconds. And the reason being is because there's a projectionist who goes in and checks that. Even if it's digital, goes in and checks just to make sure that at the start of the movie, it's all playing fine. Yeah. There, there you go. I, c- I couldn't say it better myself, frankly. It just, yeah. Uh, but um, are we done? I would say we're, we're done. Um, it gets a hearty from from me. Uh, definitely not shit. I had a lot more fun than I thought I had with it. It's an incredibly warm film. I, I thought it's there's no mean spiritedness to it at all. Um, the ending's brilliant. Um, where he throws the uh, where he. He throws something, we'll say. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I like that moment enough. I, I, I mean... His reaction to it is brilliant. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so, yeah, definitely not shit. Um, certainly, definitely not shit. So, um, there we go. And uh, let's take a couple of minutes out, uh, have some promos, and then get back into some one old, one new. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just getting. That's the third time though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the picture. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Sarah from GorePress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another. Go- oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake! No, that is not helping. That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-Movie Hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new GorePress Gorecast in iTunes or you can find us at gorepress.com. knowledge about this film okay so we are back uh and it's time for some one old one new uh mark why don't you start us off 
I'm going to start off uh, with my one new. Uh, <laughs> you spoke a little bit about it a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I'd watched the first 20 minutes of this film, uh, but then I'd have to turn it off because I was tired, and I was actually quite enjoying the first 20 minutes. Uh, and it's Brian De Palma's Passion. Okay, yeah. Um, I should have stopped at 20 minutes, really. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah? Oh. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely retarded. <laughs> As it went on, I was just watching it. And you know that that feeling you got when you were watching, um, for instance, Dracula 3D? Where you're watching it going, this is, how did somebody who made things so wonderful is making something so horrible? Um, and that's what I was getting all the way through this film is it's um, Rachel McAdams seemed perfectly well cast as it and, and I thought she was very good um, Numera Pace seemed hideously miscast for it um, and the, 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 the best thing in the film was Caroline Herforth um, and she was criminally underused was she the assistant? yes yeah okay um but it was it was all going all right. I was thinking, right, I'm, I'm still interested. I'm still interested. Up until the uh, I remember all spoilers all the time. Um, so if you if you do if you want to watch Passion, <laughs> if you really want to watch Passion, um, I'll yeah. just say I quite liked Passion. So don't let Mark put you off completely. But skip a couple of minutes. <laughs> skip a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, the bit where from the bit where Rachel McAdams Christine gets killed. The film just takes a fucking nosedive um, and just becomes just De Palma making a shadow of the De Palma films that he used to make. Um, the the assistants reveal that she has evidence on Numera Pace and the whole her showing her all the videos that she's got and everything like that. And you watch it going... How did she take that? Yeah. How did she take that video without her noticing? And th- there was just so much. There's a bit where she's actually she's actually in her no she, she she's actually outside the apartment taking a video. Yet there's no window on that wall. We see it earlier in that there's no out. That's not even an outside wall. So how is she outside taking a video? through another room to where she is, at that angle as well. And it's stuff like that where you're going, do you know what? On a new filmmaker, you can kind of understand those. On a shitty filmmaker, you can kind of understand those mistakes. But that's just De Palma either just not caring anymore, in which case, why even bother? Or just, he's not, he's just simply can't do it anymore which again if you can't just don't bother because I don't think De Palma doesn't seem like the kind of guy who, who would lose the ability to make films because there are some great shots and there are some great scenes in this film so it just felt like he just couldn't be bothered he got up to a point and thought oh, I'm really bored now the thing uh, is okay, I'll, I'll just do this and um, and it just there was moments in it that were just that were quite simply just retarded and also I uploaded them all onto this phone and I was looking at that phone going 
I understand that film. How have you taken videos on a HD smartphone and then uploaded them onto that phone, which doesn't have a memory card and oh only my, has come 64? On. I'm sorry, why not have it as a smartphone? That should that just smacks as me of. We don't want it to be her phone. Oh, what have we got lying around in the props box? Oh, this Nokia. And that just it smacks me of, of. That's just what. You uploaded it to what? A, a six-year-old Nokia. You could even fucking. You could have uploaded it to a pen drive. You could have had it saved on your email as a draft. But no, you you what? You uploaded it to a six-year-old Nokia. It's just it's it's fucking. And when you when you get to the point where you're thinking that and going right. This film has got reti- so retarded that I'm now thinking that it was. I was. I was really looking forward to this as well. I was looking forward to a proper old school De Palma erotic thriller, and what I got was just this just ridiculousness of this movie. Of that ending is just oh god, it's terrible. I'm so disappointed in it. <laughs> The thing is, right, it, to me, it felt like De Palma trying, trying to grab for, for that thing of his 30 years ago, and mm. not, not entirely succeeding, I, I, I'll, I'll absolutely grant you that, absolutely, and I mean, the ending is a hodgepodge of what the fuck is actually going on then, mm. uh, I mean, like, the, the last shot alone I, I was just, well, what, like, A, what? But the style of it kind of carried me over. The, the ridiculously overblown Pino Donaggio score um, mm. just seemed to suit the melodramatic maddity. Uh, that, that's not a word, but fuck it. Maddity. <laughs> I'll take maddity. But I think... Because in my mind, I was expecting somewhere between Dress to Kill and Body Double. And I got nowhere near those. I didn't even get Sliver. It was just... It it it, it just failed. And part of it, I think, was the fact that Numeria Pace just... And I don't mind Numeria Pace. I think she's a decent actress. But she just seemed hideously miscast. You see, I thought Rachel McAdams was uh, pretty rough in it myself. I thought she went back because I could believe her as being a bit of a bitch. Um, and it, she played that quite well, but it, it, it was even to the point of I mean, the, the guy Dirk, the British guy. I couldn't see why they all kind of fell for him. He, he, he didn't seem to have any kind of even roguish charm. Well, yeah, no, that's true. He was bad. Yeah, he he was terrible. But this, it just, I feel like having watched. Canyons, and then watching this, it was like these are quite good bedfellows because they're made by two people who, you know, became popular and you know learned their trade in sort of around the same sort of circle of friends and know each other and you know they were big parts of the you know the seventies American movies you know the what we often like to think were independent American movies in the seventies when actually it wasn't it was it was a lot of the time it was studios for once you know making directors the stars of their movies and 
you know, they, those two guys were very heavily involved in that. And then in the space of two weeks, I watched two films that just made them look like dinosaurs. And then yeah. when you compare that to somebody like um, Scorsese, who was also in with those guys, and you look at how vibrant his career uh, yeah. he still is now, it's colossal. It's just mind-boggling that you know people like. Schrader um, and Scorsese and Peter Bogdanovich and people like this all looked up to De Palma and he was like the you know fuck you know he he was the guy who was so smart and had all the ideas and was always one step ahead and you know they all looked up to him and went to him for advice and then now you know he produces this what has gone straight to video on demand and. You know, and in the same year, Scorsese will, let's be honest, probably get another Oscar nomination, and Wolf of Wall Street will hopefully be one of the most lauded films of the year. It's just when you compare those two guys and you think back to, they probably sat several times in a beach house in, you know, in in LA in you know the early seventies with Scorsese firing questions at De Palma saying, oh, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And, you know, picking his brains on French New Wave. And this is what's happened. It, it's a bit, it's just incredibly sad, really. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, though, I mean, like, the, this is an interesting vein. I mean, the thing with Scorsese is when, when you listen to interviews with him and whatnot, he's still so into film. Yeah. He's so there. And, like, he's not... He's not thinking like, oh, well, you know, there are, he's not threatened by new talent. He embraces it. Whereas it does kind of feel like De Palma and John Landis or, or, um, uh, or, or Argento even, they're kind of prepared to just rest on their legend. Like they stopped trying in the early 90s maybe when you know when this new explosion of um you know when people like Paul Thomas Anderson and Tarantino and Spike Lee and people like that came about uh, they just kind of went all right well these are the new guys and you know we can sit back and you know I've already made you know for De Palma I've already made Carrie and Scarface, Blowout, Untouchables, uh, Casualties of War, and you know, and it can rest on that. And when you look at it, since like, the early nineties, he's done what Cali as way in ninety three, uh, medium Mission Impossible movie, Snake Eyes, but then since two thousand, Mission to Mars, Femme Fatale, Black Dahlia, Red Acted, and Passion. I mean, wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, fuck! I like I like this film a million times more than I did Redacted. I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty liberal, but even Redacted drove me up the fucking wall. Well, Redacted was a a shit Iraq War version of Casualties of War, mm. and Casualties of War is a, is a great film, and he just tried to redo that, <laughs> but with a different war, and it didn't work. There's no, it didn't have the same punch. It just felt it just felt nasty. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Redacted was nasty. I don't, but I mean, it, it's it, this whole kind of resting on the laurels thing. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's interesting. Like John Landis is now happy to just be interviewed, mm. and, but then you know, but at the same time, kind of criticise the current 
the, the like the current film uh, the film industry and like not, not having any imagination or whatever. And it's like, it's like John Landis, your last film was Birkin Hair. You, you yeah. have no, you have no leg to stand on when it comes to like kind of criticizing the industry as as is at the moment. Yeah, I, but, it, but it, it's it's the, the problem is is it's the current thing, isn't it? For you know directors of stature to come out and criticize the current film industry, um, you know, and when you look at them, a lot of them uh, are directors whose films maybe haven't been as successful as they once were, and it's a bit like oh, it's not my fault; it's the film industry's fault. Yeah, and it's like all right, well, you know, there, there's still. Plenty of, of filmmakers above a certain age that are still churning out, and hate to go just keep going back to the one, but Scorsese has to be the prime example. Yeah. Scorsese's movies have never made money. He's not. He's not bank. He doesn't. Well, make, I mean, no, they, they make a decent amount of money, but he's never going to make a five hundred million plus movie. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, is what I mean. They're not gonna. He, he's not like Spielberg. Is what I mean. Where, and, and, and yet Spielberg's the one who says, "Oh, cinema's going to implode." Well, yeah, Spielberg's just Spielberg's just—he's got nothing interesting left to say, so he's just going to say whatever he thinks will make him sound interesting. That, and I mean the fact, yeah, I mean the fact he was saying that with Lucas as well. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. if George Lucas could just shut up for the rest of eternity, that would be awesome at this yeah. point. Well, what, 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 well, I mean, fucking hell, Lucas has got a lot on his hands at the moment. So he's, he's just a child and he's about to turn 70. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking hell, that's responsible. <laughs> but, yeah. Rick. Nice. Um, do you want to move on from passion? Well, yeah, I want to move on quickly. Um, and I want to quickly segue again, and we've done this quite a bit recently. Okay, go on. Uh, I played a computer game, and I played all of it, and I hadn't done that in ages. Um, I have PlayStation Plus. You have PlayStation Plus as well, don't you? Yep. Um, and this afforded me to get a couple of free games uh, every so often. And one of them that was on there was a game called Mafia. So, mostly Mafia 2. So I decided to uh, give it a go. I thought, I'll give Mafia 2 a go. You know, I like Mafia movies. Um, I thought, I'll download it. It's free. If I play it for an half an hour and it's shit, what have I lost? Nothing. So I downloaded it, thought I'd play it for half an hour. Um, over, I think, three days, um, I spent all my time on it um, and finished it. Um, wow. I had a great amount of fun with it. You start off with a guy called uh, Vito Scaletta. There are so many bits where you go, well, that's from Godfather and that's from Untouchables, and that's from White Heat, and that's from it. And you're just picking all of these different gangster movies and mafia films together and make this, this film. But you pick a guy beat Oscaletti, and you start with him, he's in the war, and you start in the war, Second World War, and then you move back into when he comes home, and then you move with him into prison, and all of these other bits, and out of prison, and all these bits, and you go with him essentially over like five or six years. But there's stuff like montages and stuff like that in it. And it, it is just a really fun game. Hardcore gamers probably wouldn't like it because, I, I, I'm, you know, apparently, I, I found them fine, but apparently the controls are a bit dodgy and limited. I thought they were fine, but then again, I'm a very, very casual gamer. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. It was great. It felt like I was playing a gangster movie. And I loved it. 
and I'm a little bit upset at the fact that I finished it now. <laughs> it did, I finished it and I was like, you're shitting me! Motherfucker! So I did have a look and you can get additional missions but they're seventeen ninety nine. Oh, Jesus, that'll come down at some point though. Yeah, so I might just wait. But yeah, I was I, I was very very impressed with it. Uh I mean yeah, I mean I'll um I'll I'll just say if we're on that tip. Um I played I started and finished Bioshock Infinite in less than forty eight hours. Jesus. That's that's hardcore. Yeah, I um yeah, I, I, I was up until half three in the morning on Sunday night finishing it. <laughs> Game karma. Um, but yeah, um, which was a really, really bad idea because I had to do driving the next morning um, and that was rough. Um, and it was, I the story is great. The last, the revelations, or the thing is like, I was in the final boss fight, and I knew it was the final boss fight because it was manic and huge. Um, and I did that, and I was thinking, shit, I'm done, I can go to bed. But then there's like another 20 minutes <laughs> where they're just laying out what's what's actually been happening. And I was impressed, but I was a little bit, what's going on? I was just too tired <laughs> to kind yeah. of take it in. Like, impressed, I, but wishing you could pause it and watch it the next morning. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if Becky's kind of told, told you how it ends. I'm not going to say how it ends. But the thing is, the gameplay I was disappointed in. Because it is basically, you get some narrative, then you walk into a room, and then you've got to do a load of killing. And then you get some narrative, and then you walk out into an open space, and then you've got to do a load of killing. And I, maybe the first Bioshock was like that, but I swear the, the first Bioshock had a bit more of a puzzly kind of thing to it as well. Um, this is very much like a first-person shooter. Um, but the central relationship is great. Uh, I mean, the, the, the plot twists at the end are pretty crazy. There's one I managed to accidentally spoil myself on, but there was a couple that really took me aback. Uh, especially as... No, actually, I'm not going to say that, because that would be a spoiler. Um, but, yeah, it's... I was a little bit disappointed in the game, but which is weird, because usually it's you like the game and then the ending disappoints. But this was kind of the other way around, where I was kind—I of, was basically playing it to get it done by the end of it. And to be honest, I think this is but this, this and Arkham City completing that finally have burnt me out on video games for the time being. <laughs> because like I, I forgot that I get them, and all I want to do is play them and get them done. Yeah, and that is what I was like with Bioshock Infinite. And frankly, it was to the detriment of my other responsibilities. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, it was like during time I had, uh, I, you know, holiday time, so it was fine. But I think that is it for my video game adventure for now. So frankly, you're probably not going to hear me talking much more about video games on the show, at least for the time being. But yeah, Bioshock Infinite, uh, good. Um, because I wasted time on that, I'll just say my one old, uh, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, just because we were talking about George Lucas. Yeah. Visually, kind of looks like shit because yeah. uh, it's an early example of digital cinematography. But the battles are fun, the action's fun. Ewan McGregor actually looks like he's awake and having fun. Um, the locations are good. 
Samuel L. Jackson's good. I like the Yoda lightsaber fight. I like Christopher Lee in it. There's an awful lot I like about um, Attack of the Clones, frankly. But whenever Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman open their mouths, it's the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it just, and I know that's, I know that's not new news. Uh, that's not new information. But it just, it is staggering just how bad those two are in the film and how bad their dialogue is. I mean, I tweeted this, but there is actually a bit in it where Hayden Christensen has to say, if Master Obi-Wan saw me doing this, he'd be very grumpy. Oh, who the fuck wrote that? It just, it's brutal. It is brutal. And, like, um, uh, him saying that, he likes her skin because it's smooth, but he doesn't like sand because it's porous and it gets everywhere. It, I, does, he mean, does, he, does he mean in her vagina? I, uh, well, maybe. I, I, it just, I'm pretty sure that's what he means. He probably does. It's, I mean, like, it, and the, the C-3PO R2-D2 stuff is, is retarded and doesn't actually make any sense. But I will say, I like it more than The Phantom Menace um, because it doesn't have Jake Lloyd in it. And it's got, I, I, apart from the pod, rate, pod race and the lightsaber fight, the Jewel of the Fates fight, I don't think there's a lot of great action-y stuff in Phantom, uh, The Phantom Menace. I think there's, there's a solid uh, amount of that stuff um, in, uh, in Attack of the Clones. Um, but anyway, that's Attack of the Clones. I don't hate it as much as a lot of people do. I remember one thing from Attack of the Clones, and it might not have even happened. Uh, is there a bit where they have Natalie Portman and uh, Ailey Christensen have a conversation in like a field or on a cloud or some shit? In, like in a that. field, yeah. Is it in a field? I remember that, and I remember in my brain that that lasted three weeks. Yeah, it, it's it, it lasts a fair while. I have been so incredibly bored during that that I thought I I, I'm, I might just go to the toilet, and get myself a drink, do some other stuff. Maybe go for a bit of a walk. But I, I was paralysed by boredom. So I couldn't. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, at this point, I'm going to take a break. Cool. I'll uh, be as well. Cool. And uh, be back with it. Just going to pause. Ready? Yeah, good to go. Okay. Goal. Okay, uh, so uh, we just had a little break there. But uh, we're back and it's time for Mark's One Old. Yes, right. Uh, I'm going to throw a, a, a what would be considered, I think, by many as being a guilty pleasure, but I refuse to call it a guilty pleasure because I maintain that a guilty pleasure is a film that you know is shite, but you enjoy. So, for instance, I freely admit that Weekend at Bernie's 2 is a guilty pleasure. It's a terrible movie, but I enjoy it. Right? I refuse to admit that this is a guilty pleasure, okay. despite the fact that people would call it a guilty pleasure, because it's not a bad film. It's just that I am considered the wrong gender to enjoy this movie. But I don't give a shit. I've enjoyed it since I was a child, and I still enjoy it now. I watched Dirty Dancing the other day, right? And watched it with Becky. Becky mentioned, I have to mention, was looking through the DVDs, looking for something to watch. But yes, looking through the DVDs, not the Blu-rays. Look at the DVDs, something to watch. And just... Me and Becky have this thing where what we do is we just start and one of us has to go look at the DVDs and just have to shout out anything they wouldn't mind watching and the other one has to say whether or not they wouldn't mind watching it and then what you do is once you get to once we get to five then you've got to pick from that five what we're going to watch. Nice. 
So I was sort of going along going, blah, no, blah, no, blah, no, blah, maybe, blah. Got to dirty dancing, went, dirty dancing? He said, well, I always want to watch dirty dancing. Like, Would you want to watch dirty dancing? He's like, yeah. So we watched dirty dancing. And it got to about sort of 10, 15 minutes in it, into it. And I had to pause it and sort of said to Bex, is it just me or is this actually a really good film? It's not just one of those where it's nostalgia or anything. It's actually a really good film. And if, I mean, for fuck's sake, if nobody's seen Dirty Dancing, I mean, fucking seriously, you've seen Dirty Dancing, haven't you? You can tell me, haven't you, haven't you? No, I have a thing against Dirty Dancing because Why? it's a film that once stopped me from um, having sex. How, how can Dirt Dancing stop you from having sex? Because, right, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, this is a girl... Dirt responsible for more sex <laughs> than ever, probably any film. Go on. Okay, uh, so it was a girl I was seeing. Uh, this is uh, before Donna. This was in my first year at uni. Um, and basically, we'd, we'd, we'd been out and, you know, we, we, we basically came, uh, came back because, you know, needs must... Yeah. And uh, we walked into uh, the lounge in uh, in my halls of residence, and uh, a, couple, uh, a couple of my female housemates were watching Dirty Dancing, and then Dirty they, Dancing caught blocked you, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and my and my uh, lady friend at the time said, um, "Oh, Dirty Dancing's on," and the two housemates were rather pissed. It was like half midnight. Uh, they were rather pissed and like. And just a bit shouty and like, yeah, yeah, come join us, come join us. And, you know, she then joined them. And, uh, basically she, like, had a taxi booked with friends who were still at this club, uh, for later on in the evening anyway. So they had, they, they basically watched Dr. Uh, Dirty Dancing. I, uh, fell asleep in the corner and then she got in the taxi and went home. Um, so. It cop blocked you. Yeah, yeah, Dirty Dancing <laughs> cop blocked me. So that's why I don't like Dirty Dancing. Well, I like Dirty Dancing for a few reasons. One, it never cop blocked me. Uh, two, it's got Patrick Swayze in it. And I'm sorry, but I like any Patrick Swayze film. The guy was incredible. Absolutely adore him. Uh, but also, well, it's one of those films where, you know, people nowadays don't know how good they've got it. Kids growing up nowadays, in terms of how you, how we consume movies nowadays. Um, you know, I grew up in the the early starts of VHS, and I grew up sort of as VHS were just about becoming possible to buy on a sort of domestic level. You know, they weren't. You know, they were just stopping from being sort of seventy, eighty pounds and going down to sort of like twelve, fifteen pounds. And so the majority of my film watching from an early age was done via rented movies. But of course, you couldn't always rent a movie. So you had like, and for instance, let's say you decided to pull a sit, pull a Ferris Bueller and not go to school for the day, which which seems great, and you do it, and then you go right. But actually, shit, what am I going to do? So you watch a movie, and at the time we had maybe for a couple of years. You know, we had maybe four, five movies, so I'd watch all of them, and one of them was Dirty Dancing. So I must have watched this film as a kid 
15, 20 times, probably more. And also, my sister used to choose it to watch all the time. So, by the time I did it to like 13, 14, that film would run out of fucking ground with me. Um, and it was only about sort of six, seven years ago that I bought Becky it. And she was like, I'll watch it. I was like, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I've seen it far too many times. I've got no interest in it at all. Also, as well, it's five, six years ago, and I was still in my, you know, snobbish douchebag film phase. Sure. Um, so, I was like, no, no. I watched it, and it finished like, I don't know why I fucking really enjoyed that. You know, it, it ticks every fucking romance box out there. And I'm a bit of a romantic at heart, which is a complete lie. I'm not at all. Um, I'm probably the least romantic person on the planet. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to say basically there, that is my confession. I I don't count Dirty Dancing as a guilty pleasure because it's not a bad film. It's a very good film. It's just I've got the wrong genitalia. Nice. I have nothing else to say to that. Fair enough. <laughs> I have the wrong genitalia. Done. Um, okay, that was an interesting way to end that. Um, also, well, actually, one, one last thing. Jennifer Grey ruined her career by having a nose no job. Nose Yeah, 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 Also, as well, earlier in the day, the same day as I watched Dirty Dancing, I watched Ferris Bueller with Isabel, which, of course, also has... Jennifer Grey in it. Yeah, she's the sister, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, that's so, right. I think, I think that's the first time anybody's ever watched two Jennifer Grey movies in a day. Fair play. Fucking hell. She hasn't got that many, has she? Not really, no. Not right. really. Okay. Oh. Uh, move. You alright? Yeah, I, I, I bent sideways and it was a fucking terrible idea. That's right. okay. to be bending sideways. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'll uh, I'll get on. Uh, I, I, right, I think you're about to shout at me. This is that the, the fact that this is my one new, frankly. Oh god, that don't sound good. Uh, so yeah, I um, a 3D post convert Blu-ray of this has just come out in UK. I know what you're about to start say. Jeez, I can't believe this is your first watch. Yes. It is. <laughs> okay, so Donna and I, last Friday night, uh, watched, for, uh, both of us for the first time, uh, in 3D, Top Gun. Danger Zone. Now Top Gun. Um, I will say, Donna wasn't into it at all. She thought it was very funny in moments. She's right. Had she seen it? No. No. Um, and she now understands references in Hot Shots better. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Um, I absolutely fucking loved every single second <laughs> of it. Um, Top Gun is amazing. <laughs> it really is, actually, I, yeah. And the thing is, what I was really, really pleasantly surprised about is that the writing is actually quite sharp and quite clever. Mm. And it... It does, it kind of went to some places that I, I didn't quite expect. Um, I mean, I'll say first off, I love, I love, and I, you know, this, of this film, this, this aspect obviously inspired a lot of films, including Pacific Rim, obviously, but this does it so well. The character of Iceman 
and why he's such a dick to Maverick. It's not a testosterone thing. It's not a, I am better than you, I'm going to beat you because of my ego thing. Yeah, it's not the alpha male thing. No, Iceman just thinks, you're dangerous, you are a Maverick, I don't want to fly with you because you will get other people hurt. Mm. And the thing is, he's fucking right. Throughout, like, every single time he says that, he's right. Iceman is bang on. And even the way, I mean, like, the, the way he kind of says it all isn't even in, 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 even in that much of an alpha male way. That's that one scene in the bar before they all start singing, uh, You Got That Loving Feeling, which is amazing. Um, yeah. There's that, what, that one scene where he's being a bit sarcastic with him or whatnot. But it is all for a good reason. And it all kind of crystallises in that moment when um, Goose has just died and uh, Iceman comes in and he just says, I'm sorry about Goose. Everybody really liked him. And then he looks like he's about to say something else and then he, he just can't do it and then he walks off. And I I love that. I, I, I And I mean, Val Kilmer's great in it as well. I just, you know, with, with Pacific Rim, it, 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 was, it was Robert Kaczynski's character basically being pissed off with Charlie Hunnam's character because there was a bit of an alpha male thing going on there. He didn't really have that much of a reason to be pissed off with him. Frankly, he should have been glad or that that he was back. All right, there was a bit of a risk there. Mm. But, you know, there was a risk that he was going to flake, which, you know, he does in Pacific Rim. But it, it, does, it did feel more alpha male. The fact that his father's, like, uh, still still likes Charlie Holmes' character straight off, you know. it. I mean, can you even remember Charlie Holmes' character's name in Pacific Rim? Uh, no, and I really like Pacific Rim, and I and I liked it as well. But I mean, it's it's weird that it, it, it's like even even that kind of thing's already faded from memory. Um, I I can't remember it. Fuck. Um, but yeah, it, it just so Top Gun has already got that 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 kind of thing done. You know, I mean, the the action is tremendous. I mean, like it's obvious. It was obviously an ad for the Navy, and I mean, it does make you want to be a fighter pilot. You know, um, except for Goose's death. I mean, I also, I, I was wondering throughout, because I knew Goose was going to die just because of hot shots, basically. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I was waiting for it, you know, for him to die. But I, I thought it was interesting that it, it wasn't like he was killed in combat or something. It was basically, you know, it was kind of, it was an accident. And it was, Maverick kind of pushed too hard, but the actual thing that causes them to have to eject was kind of a a, 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 a a kind of a not a random occurrence, but something they couldn't have quite anticipated. You know, I, I I like that it wasn't just Maverick did something and crashed into someone. It was Maverick did something and well, no, actually, wasn't it Iceman kind of backed away because he's in somebody's jet stream mm. and it's like Iceman backs away and then Maverick's like, I'm going to have a crack at this. And it, actually, that wasn't a move where they were like, Maverick, you son of a bitch, get back here. It was, Maverick was perfectly right to do it, and then it was just, like, a random thing that happened. And then, and then you know, um, Goose kind of ejects and then bangs his head. And that's, I, I, I like that it's it's that, where everybody is saying, it wasn't your fault, Maverick. And it wasn't his fault, yeah. And, and it wasn't his fault, but it's almost like it's a confluence of the fact that everything else has been building. And this is the straw that broke the camel's back, even though it, it's not really related to it. I think that's it, it. Kind of gets into his personality more. I, I, I think that's a that's a really really clever script, uh, uh, scripting. And you know, after that, the kind of the the, the personal 
uh, quandary that he's in, I, I, I think is great. I also think it's fantastic that Kenny McGillis's character is obviously is obviously older than Maverick, not that much older, mm. but obviously there is a teacher student thing going on there, and that that does lend a frisson to to it. And um, I, I think Kenny McGillis is 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 very good in this. Um, you know, I think Anthony uh, Anthony Edwards is great in it. Uh, Goose is is fantastic, and you do feel the loss from the film when he's gone. Yeah, because he brought so much of that fun to it. Yeah, yeah it, it, uh, it does. It does become a lot more dramatic once he's gone. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean it's fantastic for it. Um, and I mean the, the cast as well. I mean Michael Ironside. I I, I love. I love the bit where um, he beats Michael Ironside by doing that kind of illegal manoeuvre and Ironside and Tom Skerritt are talking and then Tom Skerritt just says, says at the end, yeah, but he still beat you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 it's so good. It's so enjoyable. It is, and I mean, I think it is a bloke's film. And I mean, mm. the homoeroticism is hilarious. I mean, it is there, but it, it, for me, it's more fun than anything else. Um, it, 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 it's definitely one of those things where when you look back on it, you go, ooh, yeah, it's very much there, isn't it? But it's not like they knew it when they were doing it. Yeah, no, no I, I... Well, I don't know. I don't think for a second they thought when they were doing it, this is going to look really homoerotic. I, I don't know whether they actually like thought that directly, but I can't help but think... I don't know, there was... I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But, um, yeah, I just... I really enjoyed it. The, the 3D is all right as well, actually. Um, the, 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 the image is lovely and grainy. Um, I, I believe it's a new master compared to the, uh, the old 2D Blu-ray. And it, it is really grainy. And uh, there's, good, there's good depth. As, as a post-convert, it's solid. Um, so, I mean, for, you know, for, for 3D fans as I am at, at times, it, it's, it's worth a look, I would say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's... That's all I have to say. Oh, and Tom Cruise as well. He's great. He's so fucking good in Top Gun. Uh, it, it just... He's got... He, I mean, he, he is char- he is ridiculously charming. Yeah. He's never really that much of a dick. He's just like... He is a guy you want to have a drink with. I, 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 I really... I, I, it, no surprise, but Top Gun is fucking fantastic. And I say are... that as someone who doesn't have any nostalgia for it. Yeah, and as well, you're also you you quite a bit. I'm, I'm very surprised to your first watch. You're quite a big Tony Scott fan, aren't you? I lo- yeah, that's the thing. I love Tony Scott. I, I just I don't know. I just never I never got round to Top Gun. Yeah, it was one of those ones where I watched it a lot on TV. A lot. Uh, I remember I remember watching it sort of several. I remember vividly watching it sort of six seven times on TV. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it's great film. Actually, funnily enough, I watched it a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, on TV actually as well. Oh, it was on Film 4, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I just dropped it and flick it on and caught it and then just carried on watching it. Fair play. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I could see it being one of those films where it's just like if you're channel popping and it's on, it's just like, yeah, alright, I will watch that. Yeah, it, yeah it, it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, shall we move on? Yep, we can do indeed. Okay, so we'll get to... Um, oh, good, we are still recording, good. Uh, yeah, we'll get to the final part of the Spike Early Marathon as we take a look at his 1998 film, He Got Game. Uh, here is a 
well, it's probably the whole trailer, and we'll get into it. We out the projects, baby. Where we gonna live at, son? Central Park West somewhere? What you gonna buy your mom, son? Come on. A big house. It's the will of the man. It ain't the skill of the man. Don't be afraid of nobody. Take it. Take Go it. strong, baby. Like nobody's yes. better than you. You have a son named Jesus Shuttlesworth? Is your son considered the number one high school prospect in these United States? He's awesome, baby, with a capital A. Governor's made a request that your son seriously consider enrolling in his alma mater, Big State. The governor's given me his word. He'll do everything in his power to cut your time here short. The NC2A deadline is one week away. Two parole officers will be assigned to you. Yeah, I guess I better get working now. Young son. What did I tell you about that stranger in the house? He's not a stranger. He's our father. I don't have a father. Look, I need to talk to you. You'll see me around. The man escaped just like Shawshank. Why beat around the bush? We love you. It's $10,000. I don't need that money, Coach. You can look like Buddy Hackett and drive down the street with this and have 40 girls chasing you. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I want you to go to Big State, son. You find it in your heart to go to Big State, they may let me out on an early parole. I got that, uh... Arthritis thing. My brother's got the same arthritic condition. It's going around here in Coney Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's contagious. But why the hell did you name me Jesus anyway? What type of name is that? Jesus, Jesus. Biblical name. No kidding. I pray that you understand why I pushed you. I was the one who put the ball in your crib. I ain't no baby no more. Dear Lord, deliver Jesus to us. People make mistakes. People veer off the path. So what? God forgives them. When will you? Never. Boom. I bet he can finally beat you. One-on-one. And this will be the most important decision in your life. Don't blow it. Okay, so that was uh, the trailer for He Got Game. Um... Who does it star? Denzel Washington, uh, Rosario Dawson, John Turturro in a brief bit. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the kid, which is bad. Uh, uh, Ray Allen. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Milo Jovovich. Um, uh, others. Ned Beatty's in there, isn't he? Oh, Ned Beatty is the warden. Yeah, that's right. Um uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, uh, that's enough, people. Um, so He Got Game is the story of Jesus Shuttlesworth, played by Ray Allen. Um, he is a very, very talented uh, high school basketball player who is getting tapped up by uh, by clubs and colleges. Um, everyone's on him to see when he, uh, he's got to decide where he's going to go, and he's basically got a few days to do it. Jake Shuttlesworth, his father, played by Denzel Washington, uh, a convicted criminal for reasons um, I will probably get into, uh, is released from jail with a one-week commission to convince his son to sign for the governor's team. Uh, otherwise, he'll be back in prison for a long, long time. Uh, whereas if he does convince him to sign for, his, uh, for the governor's team, uh, he'll get early parole, apparently. Mark, he'll get, he'll get time knocked off. Yeah, well, yeah, he'll get time knocked off. Uh, Mark, what did you think of he's got? He, I know he got game. Um, he got game is is it, well. First, first start, it suffers for what I think every what we've come across every Spike Lee film suffering from is that it's a little bit too long. Um, Spike Lee spends far too much time 
focusing on the stuff that he really likes. So there's far too much time spent on watching people dribble basketballs, for instance, which is strange because this is a basketball movie. Um, Denzel Washington is, is very good in this movie. He, he plays the character very well. Uh, Ray Allen is, is good as his son Jesus. The, the story kind of works quite well. Um, there's a lot of weaving different parts to the story and there's, there's intrigue in it. And for the first hour, the film builds it up very well. Um, and the first hour where essentially you're spending the most of your time with uh, Denzel Washington's Jake Shortsworth. The problem is, is after that sort of first hour, you move and you start to spend more time with Jesus Shuttlesworth. And the idea is that they've built up in the the first hour is that Jesus Shuttlesworth is, you know, this... Yes, he's a, he's a star athlete and he's, you know, the most promising basketball player in America. And, you know, he's having, like, ESPN specials done about him, but he's supposed to be quite ground and quite down-to-earth. And then you kind of find that he's, he's not exactly... You know, he has the capacity to be a bit of a dick. And it kind of starts to go off a cliff a little bit, this film, towards the second half of it. And then it it, it has the, the inevitable um, sort of end bit that you that you already you already know sort of almost an hour and forty minutes earlier that that's where it's going to get to, and then when it gets there, it, it's very sedate to be honest. It doesn't really get the doesn't have the punch you expect it to get, and it, it, it just it just runs out of steam a little bit. This film the the first hour I really enjoyed, and then the next hour and a quarter I was just waiting for it to kind of finish a little bit I I kind of agree with that but surprisingly I think I might have enjoyed it a bit more than you by the sounds of it let's say I, I really really enjoyed the first I say hour but then it just starts to go. I, I was really there's there's so many bits that don't go anywhere. Like there's there's a you, you could quite easily. I mean, for instance, um, Jake's relationship with Dakota, who is a prostitute who lives in the room next to the room that yeah. Jake has been given to, played by Millie Ophitz, Right? You could cut out her entire character out of this movie. And you wouldn't even notice. Yep. There is no point at all in her being there. There's no big sort of emotional revelation that she gives Jake. There's no great bit of advice. He doesn't want to be a saviour or anything like that. There is no point in her whatsoever. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Good. So it's not just me then. <laughs> no, yeah, the the Milo Jovovich character is ridiculously pointless. Um, the, the, Spike Lee's kind of worst excesses are again on show in this, as they were in Jungle Fever. However, unlike Jungle Fever, I think it's got a kind of a central plot which is more interesting and yeah. characters that I think 
you're, you're okay spending time with more than the characters in Jungle Fever. Mm. Um, however, his kind of inability at times to focus down on what's important, on, on basically having a draft of the script which makes sense to actually film. Yeah. Um, like it, it feels like there there must there must have been like half an hour with Jovovich and Washington cut out because I mean like what is what is that that story? It's basically a long subplot of Washington getting laid. Yeah, and then she's gone. Apart yeah, from that, that one shot of her on the coach at the end. Yeah, and it's um, like, what was was he her savior? But he was he, he didn't try to be, he just ended up being. Well so it's not her story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I mean you've got that, you've got um you, you've got the uncle and auntie, um uh, who pardon me, pop up in a couple of scenes and add nothing. Um I mean the yeah. si- the sister doesn't add anything after the first 45 minutes or so. Like, once she's once she's been her means to an end in getting the two together, she's gone. Um, and, and, I would also argue, again, that Rosario Dawson's character doesn't really add that much, really. No, no. I mean, because... I, I, that, that's the thing. I mean, the sexual politics in this film are well, a nightmare. <laughs> well, I, 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 when we summarise our thoughts on... Um, on Spike Lee, I'll, I'll come to something on that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I it just, that, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't think he does himself any favors when it comes no. to certain criticisms of him, frankly, at all. Uh, um, I, I, I think as well, if you take if you take Denzel Washington out of this movie and put a different actor, because the one thing about Denzel Washington, I, I'd be honest, I'm not a big fan of Denzel Washington. I've said this before as a person. I think he, you know, he's incredibly aware and he's incredibly willing to tell people how great he is. Um, but but the problem with him is, is he is very good. You know, he is an incredibly charismatic actor. And when you, you mix that charisma with the sheer acting ability uh, and the, the way that he can flitter between... Um, emotions then you know you've got a very powerful screen presence yeah and yeah. if you'd have put somebody else in this it would have been terrible frankly yeah I, 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 yeah I mean I think you're right there it just, the, the, the thing is I mean the film's basically telling I think it's it's telling two stories at the heart of it it's it's kind of a father and son well a father kind of trying to reconnect with his son but not that's that's it. He does. I think he he doesn't want to pressure his kid into choosing the school that he wants him to. Uh, but he also does because I think he sees that if he can get out, you know, he can spend more time trying to rebuild that relationship. And you do get the feeling that he doesn't want anything from his son. He doesn't want. Yeah. He doesn't want to attach himself to the fame and the fortune that he's going to receive. He would just like to be his dad again, you know, and he'd like to, you know, pass on some of his, you know, his coaching ability as a basketball coach, you know, and he wants to spend time with his daughter 
but he wants to be he wants to be a father again. You but, get all that. But I mean, it, it, it just like the, the the background. I mean, like the the, the scene where um, it, it's kind of like leading up to the the mother being killed, and it's it's him kind of like um, coaching his son. And while while he's just getting drunk and he kind of pushes him down and whatnot, it just there was that that scene felt isolated to me. Kind of in the backstory of Denzel Washington's character, it's just like all right, he goes from like trying to push his son his son in that direction to like basically being a psychotic drunk about it. It, it just it, it yeah, didn't it, connect for me. No, there's a big difference between somebody who is driven. Uh, you know, uh, driving, you know, getting there. Cause I, mean, I, I used to every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning, and every Wednesday morning, my dad used to wake me up at um, six in the morning to go and do football coaching, just me and my dad. Yeah. Dad, you know, and that was from about nine years old till about thirteen when I put my knee up, uh, and that was almost every, you know, every Saturday, every Sunday, and every Wednesday, um, to do all of those, um, just so we could go and get to the, you know, a local football pitch where we knew there was going to be nobody else there, and he could essentially do very similar stuff, but football-related, to what Denzel Washington's doing as Jesus in Nets. Um, and that wasn't out of badness, it was just, look, if you want to do this, you want to do... This is what is it? You've got to put the groundwork in here now. There's no point in going. I'll do it tomorrow, or I'll, I'll do it when I'm when everyone else is doing it. If you yeah. want to be better than everybody else, you've got to do more than that. And that's what he's doing. And then that scene is him getting drunk and essentially berating his what eleven year old kid maybe at the time for being not as good as he was. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I. I, I get that. I, I get that whole kind of thing. It just it, you know, the film spends an awful lot of time on the the distractions. It, I mean, it almost gets distracted by the distractions of the sports mm. star itself. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, that it, it, it takes away from that. And I mean, like Spike Lee, I, I love his ambition at times, like how sprawling he gets. And I mean, like, with, with Do the Right Thing and, to an extent, with Clockers, I, I think that works very well. I mean, Do the Right Thing is incredible in that, in how it... it but it all it all connects in that film. It, it, like, and I mean, just because of, like, the location and the characters' relationships with each other, whereas He Got Game, oftentimes it feels like episodic bits that are loosely related mm. to each other. I mean, the bit with Big Time... It, 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 I just like he pulls up in the car yeah. and, then, and then he just has a monologue at him and then that's it. Yeah, it, it feel that there are some some bits that just feel a little bit out of context for the rest of it, really. Yeah, I mean, I, but I mean, I, I mean, I, I, but I did like the scene where you know he goes off to that college and um, you know the girls are kind of lining up there for him. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and I then, didn't like that. Well, I mean, just the fact, I, I liked that in the fact that later on, I think it might have been Denzel, Denzel Washington say, says, like, you know, oh, you know, you go to this college, they just line up all these girls for you. And that's exactly what's just happened. Mm. I, I like that aspect of, of of that. I mean, like, the, the, the whole kind of him, like, being walked into that room and there's the two blondes there. It just, 
Whatever. I mean, what is it trying to say? What is Spike Lee trying to say? What is he trying to say about this character? You know, like that he is going to be corrupted. You know, because basically it ends. I mean, the film ends with him signing for Big State and and whatnot. But we don't really know why. Yeah, I mean, well, there is that as well. Because frankly, if he was doing that for his dad, I didn't get that connection at all. And earlier on, he said Big State were in his top ten. Yeah, you know, but I mean, but I mean, but that, that, I mean, there are good scenes. The sports agent scene. I think he's fantastic, where he's, he, you know... Sports scene, yeah, that, that's a very good scene, where he's going about the watch and stuff like that. Yeah, like, the, the, the colour, like, okay, and he's, like, saying, I, I think I'm, like, a black manager, and he's like, well, you know, I'm white, you're black. This, this is money, green. it's green. This is the only colour that matters, green. Yeah. You, you know, I, 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 I think that's fantastic. And the way he's trying to give that watch to him, as if it is, like, a kind of a signing-on bonus thing, which, you know, which is illegal. But then the fact that, you know, he is smart enough. Because I kind of thought this was going in the direction where he was going to do something which was going to fuck up his chances with everyone. Yeah. yeah like, something, he, he would do something like that and get caught out, you know. Or that he, I don't know, he'd get AIDS off of one of those blonde girls or something like that, <laughs> you know. I thought it was going in that direction. I mean, the ending kind of peters out. I mean, the the last bit where he's, uh, you know, Denzel chucks that ball and then he seems to catch it. I like what that's saying, but I don't think the rest of the film has done enough to mm. earn that kind of emotional beat. Yeah, that, that that's a... It, it, it's a... It, that was a... It, it's another light jungle fever ending where you just go, oh... Really? Really? Are you going to do that, Spike? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was not a good ending. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just... In terms of... In terms of what it... What, it, what it's trying to say, I like... Symbolistically, yeah, it, 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 it works. But it's one of those things where the actual idea and the actual visualisation of the idea are two very different things. Yeah, I, I I'd agree with that. I mean, it just it is a troublesome film, but I did find it I did find it watchable. Um, it didn't really annoy me that much, but the the, the sexual politics did annoy me. Mm. Um, you know, and um, it, it it almost because I've got to say. In terms of the women, I think that Jesus's character got away with a lot. Mm. Like he was, you know, like Lee basically had that he was in the right with the Rosario Dawson character, and all right, you know, the Rosario Dawson character was was fucking him uh, was fucking him over. But to be fair, he was fucking around. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, but then like, she was fucking around. Yeah, I, but I mean, it, it still felt like the moral victory was with Jesus, and yeah. It, that's that's dodgy. I think well, that's really really dodgy. Again, this will come to my thoughts and our summarisation of Spike League that we do in a minute. I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm happy to get to that. Right, I think we should get to. That. Um, yeah, he got game. It's definitely not shit. Yeah, it, it, no, it's definitely not shit. It's just, I don't know. It, it just loses its way with itself a little bit. I thought. Yeah, I um, I agree with that. Um, it's um, 
it is just really, really muddled. It, yeah, it's that, really, it is. really messy, and I think that is to the detriment of some really solid stuff in there. Yeah. Right. So, what are your thoughts then on on Spike Lee? Um, mixed. Frankly, um, I think he has made some fan fucking fantastic stuff. I think he's made some terrible stuff. Um, he's kind of. It, it, I mean, it, it's almost like Woody Allen, really, where he just makes so much, and he is so prolific that Every quality got control just gets a bit fucked sometimes. Yeah, I think that that's it. I think you know my what I think personally about Spike Lee that we've come across in you know despite the early films because let's be honest, a lot of his 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 films from you know. After this film, really, have gone, have, have been more missed than hit. Um, is that it, it's his little obsessions and the? I think it, in terms of filmmaker, I think he's actually quite a good filmmaker. He's a very competent filmmaker. But the problem is when he tries to be an auteur and tries to put, you know, parts of himself on screen. That's where he falters a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, his, you know, fair enough, you know, his, his politics are skewed towards, you know, he's very, he's very pure, uh, pro-black cinema and, you know, he makes films about, you know, American, uh, African-American society and everything like that, which is fine because he's African-American and I can see the point of all of that uh, and I can see, you know, why he often shoots it from, their perspective and you know looks leans towards them you know being the good guys rather than anybody else being the bad guys even when they're the bad guys there's always somebody else that's a little bit worse um but the one real issue i think i've had pretty much throughout all of his films that we've watched to be honest is he has a real, real problem and a real low opinion of white women. Yeah. And um, to, to the point of where it, it, it's a little bit... You, you could almost say that he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Sure. Um, his, his treatment of white women and Latino women, uh, Italian-American women... The way that he shows them is at points disgusting. You know, if if you were to take the way and the disdain that he shows for women and women who aren't black, let's be honest, um, and you were to take that disdain and show it towards black women or black men in a predominantly white movie Spike Lee would be the first person yeah, telling you how phone. wrong yeah. Yeah, you yeah. were for doing it um, yet nobody <laughs> seems to have jumped on him for this mainly because they're too scared that if they jump on him for this he'll in some way try and find a, a way of calling you racist for it and it's a little bit like that it, 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 you know it's the you can't call a black person racist kind of thing and it's a little bit like that with Spike Lee. I mean, it's you, you had it in um, to a lesser extent. She's got to have it, but it was definitely there in Jungle Fever. Definitely there in Jungle Fever. Uh, 
it was there to an extent in uh, Malcolm X, and it's very heavily there in, in He Got Game. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 that, that stuff is incredibly dodgy. I mean, I don't know, it's weird to say, but with Spike Lee, it is just kind of par for the course. You mm. do you do just expect it, and that is disappointing. You know, and um, I would wonder what he'd have to say to that. I, I, I don't know whether it would be worth trying to dig up interviews where maybe someone has actually challenged him on that. I mean, like, yeah, because I mean, particularly with he got gaming, I mean, I mean, the only white women in this are uh, basically like slipping the tongue within ten seconds of meeting with him, or yeah. are boobs and nothing else. Yeah, it, it, it's a little bit. You're kind of watching that, and then, and then you know, not only does he show you that. Um, he later on gets Rosario Dawson to then hammer the nail in a little bit more and to say, you know, to, to hammer the point across again by actually saying it as well. And I was sort of very much the opinion of, fucking hell, all right. You've just, you've just shown me it three times, 20 minutes ago. We get it. You have this idea and it might be fucking true. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But, that white women will throw themselves at black athletes. Fair enough, right? But then to again come back to it and readdress it again kind of makes you go, hang on a minute. This isn't this isn't a story point anymore. This is a this is a you're shouting this at us now. You're shouting this as something that that you're angry about and that you think's wrong. And then you kind of go. So hang on a minute, it's not that women were throwing themselves at Jesus when he went to this college. No, 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 no. That's not your problem, is it, Spike? Your problem is that it was white women. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but doesn't that make it a little bit racist, that opinion? Yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree. It just... It, it is one of those things, but it is such a touchy subject that... Mm. But I mean, and it's it's a shame because he is obviously an incredibly gifted film. filmmaker. Yeah, you know, um, it it's just, it just I, doesn't help himself. I I, I think the, the, my summarization, I think that I can best put it, to be honest, is Spike Lee is an incredibly talented filmmaker. He has a great eye for scenes. He has a great feel for moments, um, and he's obviously you know quite an intelligent guy. But the biggest problem is, is he's a massive prick. Mm. And occasionally, he's a massive prick on screen. And that's his problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he'd probably admit that, to be fair. I think to an extent. I, I, I think, yeah, to an extent he'd admit that that his films always show a sense of himself. I think the problem is, is I think with Spike Lee, part of the reason why he might be such a prick is he clearly has an incredible ego on him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he doesn't know how to use that ego. Yeah. You know, to take three filmmakers who have egos but kind of know how to use them. Tarantino, for instance, has a big ego and has a very high opinion of himself as a filmmaker. But he kind of knows how to use that ego, and you kind of get the idea of that it'd be quite fun to go for a beer with Quentin Tarantino, because you could just get to talk about films with him. The, th- the thing is, as well, Tarantino, he's 
like in the late nineties after Jackie Brown, like mid noughties, he was being seen as like an also ran as if his best days were behind him. But yeah. he fought to, to get back, back to the position he's in. Yeah. So in terms of having a justified ego, I, you, you, you've got to give it to Tarantino. Yeah, and then you've got the other side of the ego of, of like Spike Lee, where again you could probably go for a beer with him. But you'd end up arguing with him a lot. I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 totally. But the thing is, I, I, with Tarantino, I think he he would listen at least to start with and then probably jabber on for 20 minutes. Yeah, but but I, don't, I don't think he would just ignore you. And I don't think he'd ever tell you you were wrong. Yeah. Unless you actually said something that was categorically wrong. Whereas I think Spike Lee, if you said that you thought X, not even one of his films, if you thought X film was about this, like if you said to him, oh, well, I'm, you know, Robocop, it's great because it's about, you know, it's about the way balance is, you know, consumed and stuff like that. He'd be like, no, it's not about. Mm. Even if he thought that's what it's about, he'd still argue with you just to be a bit of a prick. And then you've got the other third type of ego where you've got Robert Rodriguez who you go for a beer with and all he'd do is try and fuck your wife when you were at the toilet. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair point. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, so on that note, that was the end of the Spike Early Marathon. Yep. Um, yeah. Who are we covering next? Um, I'm going to pause the recording for just a second. Yep. <laughs> okay, so we just had a little talk off mic. Uh, we're not gonna jump straight into a marathon yet because we don't know what we're going to do so if anybody has any ideas do tweet us yes please um but uh yes so um we'll let you know what's going to come up on next week's show at the end but first off uh before twitter questions add a bit of uh feedback to my facebook um sorry go on i know i, I, I thought you were gonna say something bad <laughs> no 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 not at all. uh to my uh my facebook uh this is from kia stewart uh, some of the stuff is just a bit, um, he's just talking about 35mm heroes, and he's, um, he, uh, I, I, we've got mutual friends in, uh, Jordan and Brad as well, apparently, so, uh, but, yeah, anyway, he says, um, I'm a great believer in messaging people when I feel they've done something well, and I really enjoyed and agreed wholeheartedly with the points you made on the recent Dude and a Monkey podcast. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I have been feeling for too long the internet blogging world has become an echo chamber of negativity and as someone who makes videos and is in the process of putting my own low budget feature together I also co-wrote Bradley's next short uh, I have become sick and tired of a never ending chorus of amateurs taking great glee in shitting on properties with a deep sense of self-satisfaction I have been a huge fan of you and Mark's more even handled um, handling of things and I think your examination of the canyons is a perfect example not pulling punches, but also not trying to derive personal satisfaction from destroying something. I also enjoyed the unsentimental stance you guys took on the HMV issues, and I think you guys have a really good format. Uh, my apologies, it's taken me this long to write this message as I've been listening since Cinerama, but I just wanted to say that I enjoyed the show and keep up the good work. So um, I, I replied to um, I replied to Kia uh, as well, but I just say uh, thank you very much for that. Yeah, um, thank you very much. Yeah, very nice to t- be told that we're doing something good. Yeah, um, it's it, it's nice to know there are other people out there who um, feel like that. I mean, we we had some nice comments from um, 
uh, from Glenn as well on Twitter, um, saying that he thought the last couple of episodes were particularly strong, which is uh, very nice of him. Um, I, I, I don't want to like blow, uh, uh, like pull our own chains or anything like that, but I mean, like I I thought I sounded like a miserable bastard in the last episode, and like it, it I just was a little bit down uh, generally. Um, not, not for any major reasons, just whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that that whole kind of uh, echo chamber thing I think is it is a problem and it is I, I think it is killing some film sites and, and whatnot at the moment I think the conquest to be the most snarky um, is 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 a big problem at the moment mm. with film criticism uh, even though I mean I will say a site that uh, launched a few weeks back the Dissolve um uh, which was um, uh, made up of, uh, uh, among other people, a bunch of people from the Onion AV Club, which I believe shut down. Um, but the dissolve is fantastic, and it's not snarky, and it seems to be people who actually want to write about films, writing about films, instead of people saying, oh, this trailer looks like shit, this looks like shit, oh, films are wank, oh, TV's where it's at these days, oh, why the fuck aren't I talking about TV? Oh, I'm just going to talk about TV on this film site anyway. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, there are certain sites that are definitely doing that. Um, mm. And I, I think the Dissolve, among, amongst others, are doing a fantastic job at the moment with that. But uh, anything to add on that, Mark? Uh, no, it's just it's the same. We don't, I don't want to seem like we're constantly having a go at film blogs because there are a lot of great film bloggers out there. Um, we know several of them and they're obviously um, a lot more that we don't know. Uh, but there do appear to be a lot of people um, still who... It was seen with Lone Ranger, um, who are looking forward to movies um, that they think they're going to hate more than they are looking forward to movies they think they're going to love. And, you know, you, you get into movies and you get into writing about movies because it's 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 a passion, it's something that you love um, and that you, you want to help share with other people. And that shouldn't be sharing. You shouldn't look, you should never look forward to not liking a film. Yeah, no, I, I, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, that looking forward to not liking a film is exactly it. I mean, like, I, like for, I mean, for example, um, you know, uh, Pain and Gain's out in a couple of weeks, and it's already on US iTunes, uh, but it hasn't come out in the UK yet. And, you know, it, I am, based on what people are saying about Pain and Gain, I am legitimately now looking forward to it. You know, I'm not looking forward to watching uh, uh, over two hour long Michael Bay film and and snarking it and and just and just trying to think of the the wittiest thing I can say to diss the film, mm. you know. I mean, it, 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 I don't know. It, it's something about and I, I've been getting this. I've been getting this back over the over the last week actually. The joy of just enjoying a good film, yeah. You know, and just enjoying the film in the moment and not. Not the anticipation of the film, uh, but but just having it there because, like like you say, I mean, like it, it it has become a cult a culture of looking forward to liking slash not liking the next film, and I think we're we're forgetting about things in in the here and now, and I mean, I I think social media is is a big thing for that, and but also the proliferation of websites who have to find things to talk about and get hits from. Yeah, there, there is there is that you know the fact that we need to have so much we, we need to have 
stuff that we can talk about 24 hours a day. You yeah. know, it, it means that, oh, blah, might be casting, blah. You know, the fact that, that Stallone puts out an innocuous tweet saying you know, that Willis is not no longer on Expendables 3 um, because he's greedy and lazy. Well, fucking, that's not a shock, is it? We've, we've known that Willis is greedy and lazy for years. It's a minor shot that he's not going to be involved in Expendables 3, but the amount of coverage that got is just crazy. Yes, I I very much agree. It, it, um, I, but, I mean, I don't know. That, that was a confluence of, um, like, film news, showbiz people falling out, and, and the fact the it was such big is, people. The thing is, is, is Stallone... The, the bits that people... Because Stallone has made comments about it since, and it's, you know, the vast, oh, you know, is this the end of yours and Bruce's relationship, friendship? And he's like, no. But my point still remains. Yeah. You know... Let's be honest, Bruce Willis is very knowing of, of, of his failings. You know, he's he proved that with his promotional work for Red 2, where he was just intentionally being a dick. Yeah. Um, he knows he's an arsehole. And I think if you sat down and said, why do you do movies now? He'd go, well, oh, for the money. Yeah. He'd do, I don't think he cares. Even though, even though he's apparently he's come out over the last couple of days and said that he's bored of making action movies. Do you know probably why he's pretty bored of making action movies? Because he's probably realised over the past couple of years how, you know, it gets more difficult and you have to put in a lot more physical work to maintain a level where you can do action movies. That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's such a shame with Bruce Willis. I just, like... I. Just do some more Moonrise Kingdoms or something, you know. You've got enough money. Just do the stuff you want to do. And if you don't do something for a few years, never mind. Yeah, you got a hot wife. Who's his wife? He's married to some English model, isn't he? It was like 27 or something like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, good for him. Yeah, so, you know, just bang your wife. Yeah, there we go. There's our message to Bruce Willis. Bang your wife. Yeah, why well, fuck him not? Okay, so uh, let's move on to some Twitter questions. And first question, at Very Cinematic, when you reach 100 episodes, where would you like your co-host to take you for a special anniversary mini-break? Oh, where, where, where are we going to go, Ian? Where are we going to go? I think we'd have to go to... We've got to roll. Oh, don't say that. That's actually where I went on my honeymoon. It's a bit <laughs> weird, know. that is. I know. Oh, is that why you said it? All right, fair enough. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I don't know, we'd go somewhere we'd go somewhere really fucking shit, wouldn't we? We'd go like camping in Scotland when it was no, fucking raining or something it would, like that. It would, it, it, I dunno, it would be somebody's house with a really good screening room. Yeah, it probably would be, yeah. <laughs> or we'd rent a cinema out for a day. Yeah, I don't know. Um oh so that's his wife, is it? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I. Yeah, I don't know because. I don't know. All I'd want to do is watch films. Yeah. We do that. Uh, I'd take you to. I don't know. Oh, this is a weird question, Mark. <laughs> it, it is a weird question. Um, uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. I'd say it's the cinema. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. Tom, you're a weird man. <laughs> I'd say if the hot dog at the um, restaurant that they go to have hot dogs for in American Pie. Ah, oh, what the fuck's that place called? Um, Flappy. No, not Flappy. What the fuck? Uh, good something. Good burger. <laughs> go see Keenan and Kel. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Um, let's move on. Thanks, Tom, maybe. <laughs> Right, uh, at L. Paul Film Nerd, seen as Kick-Ass 2 is out this weekend, who is the most badass female movie character ever? Uh, the Bride in, in the Kill Bill films is a pretty... Uh, yeah, I was going to say The Bride in the Kill Bill films. Um, uh, Alice in the Resident Evil films? Yeah, she's yeah she's pretty kick-ass, fair play. Uh, Ripley? Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, no, of course. I don't know, I think that's probably enough to be getting on with, frankly. Yeah, yeah I'd, go, I'd, I'd, go for, I'd go for those. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, at Soundtrack LTIM, Charlie, uh, favourite oh. James Horner score? Street Commander. Su- Sorry? Commander. Street of Fire doesn't count. Not even letting me finish the question. Nope. Uh, Street of Fire doesn't count, Commando. Aliens. I did aliens. It costed, yeah, yeah, Commando. Uh, so at the same time as well, but it, I, I, it has to be Beverly Hills Cop two as well because they're the same fucking score. Oh yeah. <laughs> but his score for Commando is wonderful with that fucking the steel drums running all the way through. That's one of my favourite scores ever. That nice. I love Also, as well, can I just say that um, El Paul film nerd uh, Dave actually was in York the other day and popped into my work to see me. Oh, nice, really. Yeah, he just he, he he'd asked me for a restaurant idea, he gave me some ideas, and then I was just reading my book uh, on the bar that I work at on a Friday night, and this guy's kind of popped his head round, and we often get people come up on their own, and they're either coming up to have a look at the Rolling Stones signatures that are on the wall, or they're coming up because they think the toilet's up there. So this guy turned on, this guy was stood there kind of looking at me, I thought, and I was just about to go, the toilet's on the next floor, mate. Um, and he went, Mark? I was like, I thought, right, Scouser coming to see me knows my name. This is Dave. He's like, Dave. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, you're right. And so quick, you know, his, his missus and his kids were outside, so I couldn't have a conversation in five minutes. But delightful chap, and I'll be popping through uh, Liverpool to see him at some point soon. Solid. Very nice. Very nice. Um, okay. Uh, at uh, B hallucinations. If you could green light. Uh, by the way, to the other question he asked, uh, Mark will be in, be in touch. touch. Um, if you could greenlight any media property, which one would you do? Um, so what, is this, like, any make any other media property a film? Uh, I think it's animated, any script that you want greenlit made into a film, any, anything, really. That's how I read the question. Okay. I have a few. Go on. I'm going to stick to films. So, um, I'd give... Ah, um, oh, sorry, sorry, what? I just got one, just before I forget. Sure. The um, the Paul Verhoeven Crusades film that um, Schwarzenegger was going to do with him back in the day. Yes, that's a good one. That would have been fucking amazing. All right, and, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go... Mine, one of mine, I'll just say the one, as a, as a minor link to that, right? 
the Nick Cave scripted sequel A Gladiator. Oh my god, yeah. Good where point. Maximus has got to fight his way out of hell. Yeah. That. Just 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 those words again. Nick Cave scripted where Maximus has got to fight his way out of hell. That's a I mean, cool. Fuck. Why didn't Ridley Scott just go, do you know what? Do you know what? I can do whatever the fuck I want, really, can't I? Yeah, I'll, let's do that. Yes, Ridley, you can. I, I can. I, yeah. Uh, you joke. fucking owe me, Ridley. Did you have any more? Go on. Uh, I'd like... Obviously, I'd like to give David Lynch as much money as he wants to make whatever he wants, just to get and make another fucking film. Sure. Um, what else is there? No, that's about it, Ray. Fair play. Um, uh, uh, I'd like Ed Norton to finally make Motherless Brooklyn, because he's been talking about it for, like, 15 years now. Mm. And I'd like him to actually just get on with it and just fucking make it. <laughs> So I just say to him, how much do you need? Oh, like 30 million. Right, there you go the now. <laughs> go make it, shut the fuck up. And now can you get back to being a good actor rather than just cropping up in something every so often? There we go. Um, at Road Doc asks, what was your first 18 certificate film you saw and at what age? His was The Incredible Melting Man at 11 years old. First one I remember uh, is Alien. Um, which I don't think is an 18 anymore, but it certainly was. Was. Um, when, yeah, I think the director's cut got rated at 15, yeah. Um, but. When, he, when it was reclassified for DVD, that was, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm looking at my Prometheus to Alien box set. It's got an 18 on the front. Hang, hang about. I'm just gonna. Uh, I'll be back in a sec. Yeah, no worries. While he's doing that, I'm going to do some filler uh, and just say that what often happened uh, over here is um, I when... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm just doing a bit of filler. Uh, is when when things were reclassified by the BBFC for DVD release, um, many films were downgraded from an 18 to a 15. So a movie that you might have watched when it was on VHS that was an 18 might now be a 15 and a 15 might now be a 12 or whatever. Well, the thing is basically how it... Um, how it's supposed to work is if the BBFC gets a a, a kind of a, a different version, then they have the, to reclassify it. Yeah, well, so, they don't have to reclassify it; they have to reevaluate it. Yeah, yeah, but but the original certificate for the original for that original version will still stand. Mm. Um, so, like, because I, I remember the Terminator got downgraded from an eighteen to a fifteen when it came out on DVD, and mm. I think. It was because of the aspect ratio that, like, it was the first time it had been made commercially uh, commercially available in the UK in 1.85 to one, right. uh, I believe. So because of that, it was a new version. So right. I mean, because I'm, I'm looking at my um, the discs in my uh, uh, Prometheus to uh, Alien set, and all the original four Alien films have got 18s on them. All right, but I bet that the Direct. The director's cut of Alien, because that came out relatively recently. That was like 04 or 05, I think. Um, that, I swear that got a 15. And then I think probably, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the... I mean, Alien Special Edition's been around for ages, so I'd imagine that's probably still an 18, because it probably didn't get reclassified. But then Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, and maybe their Special Editions are... are 
Like, this is a bit of a tangent, but fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up on the BBC website. While you're looking up that, I'll, I'll go over mine. Uh, my first 18, uh, strangely enough, two different questions, same answer. First 18 I remember watching was Commander, again, when I was about seven. Nice. I had it on video, and it was my copy. The Alien Director's Cut to 15. Yeah, there you go. Um, now, what's this? Alien 3. Is an 18. Is, oh, I've got a 15 here. Oh, wait, that's not Director's Cut. I've just got Alien 3 is a, an 18. I've, not, I've, I've got 139 minutes here. Yeah, I've not. I've got the 109 minutes, so that's the standard cut rather than Director's Cut. Okay, so the standard cut you've got there is an 18. I've got there is an 18, yeah. yeah. so that, that totally makes sense. So that was an 18... And then it hasn't been reclassified since because they haven't had another version of that Alien Free. But then yeah. Alien Free that I've got here in thirty nine minutes, yeah, that's the that's the director's cut. Which yeah. um Yeah, yeah, okay, that, that that makes sense then. So that is the Yeah, I'm just having a look here. Uh Alien Free video classified. Alien no, Free Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Eighteen so it was an eighteen on video and then it was a and then, yeah, the, the director's cuts to 15. So basically, yeah, the, the, it, it's not that films get downgraded as such. Like, like, they, they just get their ratings changed. It's that there is actually a different version of the film submitted. So and, and that's what, it. that's what does it. Like, uh, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom is now a 12 in the UK and not a PG because the latest version that's out on Blu-ray, uh, is the uncut version of Temple of Doom, which wasn't previously available in the UK. So, we, which then throws up another kind of, almost like a hole in the system there, because you've got Alien Three, for instance. Um, the standard cut is an eighteen. The director's cut, which contains the same material as the standard cut, is a fifteen. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it just, it, it's, yeah, it, 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 it's a, it, it's a bizarre little thing where you, you, you get that, for instance. My nephew at the moment, he's told explicitly by his dad that he's not allowed to watch 18s, but he's allowed to watch 15s. So, I think the depending on which copy he's got, <laughs> it depends whether or not he's allowed to watch it. I think I think the argument would have to be would have to be made then that you know in in the end of the day it is now considered a 15. Take a look at this; it's now and also, frankly. If your nephew's going to watch a version of Alien Three, it should be the assembly version because oh, yeah, it's yeah. the superior edit. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I get because my sister uses me as a barometer for what Tyler should be allowed to watch. Um, so I often get texts saying, "Am I allowed to watch this?" Mum says, "I've got to ask you." And so I was like, "Oh," <laughs> and I have to kind of think, "Ah, oh, fucking hell, yeah, you should watch it. Cause it's awesome." And <laughs> no. No, because if you have nightmares, your mum will shout at me. I don't know. Oh, that's the whole fucking thing I'm going to have to have fun with over the years. Anyway, um, right, okay. Um, and we've got uh, one other question at Orange Warrior. It says, uh, hypes and hopes for Fright Fest. Uh, I'm not going to Fright Fest. And unfortunately, I'm not either anymore because I've, I've apparently, well, no, I did. I got my dates mixed up, and I'm actually working the Saturday. I was going to go to Fright Fest. 
Oh shit, really? Oh. Yeah, um, Becky's mum asked me if I could work a Saturday in um, August, and I told her I could, but as long as it was the last Saturday in August, oh, I fuck, thought it's that not was the last right Saturday. There, and it's not, it's the second to last. So when I looked at the diary at work, just assuming that I had it off, like, oh, I have got it off, so I have every Saturday off. But I looked at it and was like, oh, it, it's not it's that Saturday, and that's the right for Saturday. But I thought, well, I've already, you know, if I said to her, I, I can't really work it, she'd work it. But the thing is, I've already agreed to work it, so I'm a little bit stuck. Dark. Um, but I... What I, what, I, what I was really looking forward to seeing was the uh, VHS documentary Rewind This. I was really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, which comes out on USVOD in the next couple of weeks, by the way. Yeah, because right? it comes out um, on the 27th. Yeah, there we go. Um, I was most looking forward to uh, Jim Mickle's remake of We Are What We Are. Um, I'm a big fan of the original We Are What We Are story at a Fright Fest a few years back. I really fucking like that flick. And uh, Mickles is apparently a remake that actually has a point. Um, it's it's not apparently it's not the same film. Uh, Mickles says it's kind of an answer to We Are What We Are, and it's it's kind of less personal. And I think it's a bit. It might actually be a bit more genre-y. Um And I am very very up for that. It's it's gotten really good reviews. Um, I very much like Mickles. I. Mulberry Street, I, I liked, and Stateland, I really liked as well. So, uh, very excited for that. Uh, yeah, I, I like. I, I was a big fan of both those films as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, the the lineup of Bright First, I mean, it, it's got its usual um, uh, usual uh, shovel of shit in there, uh, but it, it is what it is. You know, in the end of the day, there's only a certain amount of horror films made uh, every year, and um, I, I think I, I do. I do genuinely think they try their best. Uh, you know, it, it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like VHS two, uh, we've reviewed it on the show. Uh, it, it's good. Will go down brilliantly in, in, in an audience, I think. Yep. Um, Hatchet three will go down very well. I think No One Lives will go down very well. Um, uh, Painless, which is playing the Discovery screen, I saw at LFF last year. Uh, I, I'd avoid that personally. Uh, I'm see. I, I, I should be seeing your next on Monday. Um, so maybe I'll talk about that on the show next week. Oh, actually, probably not when we record. I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's there's some decent stuff at Fright Fest. Avoid Frankenstein's Army. I think I talked about that on the show last week. Just avoid that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's as all right as any other year. Um, I'm just not going because. It costs, uh, frankly, Fright Fest costs too much, and especially considering if you don't live in London, the amount you have to pay for accommodation as well. That's it, you see. I mean, I, I was. I could have gone, but I couldn't justify going. Because it's, you know, it's 100 odd quid for a train ticket. There's then the, what is it, 170 quid for the ticket? Is it? Yeah, I think it is 170 so, when you have like a booking fee this year. It's, it's are, just too much. You've got 270 quid, nearly, nearly 300 quid, 300 quid in travel, we'll say. Um, and then another 200 quid minimum in accommodation. And then money while you're there, you're looking realistically at 750 quid. And I just can't justify it. Yeah. For that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean. I, I, but um, I hope everybody's going. Genuinely, I hope everybody's going and has a good time. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I hope there's some really, really good stuff there. 
it's, just, it's just to be honest, you'll probably be able to catch it on VOD in the US within a couple of months. Yeah, a lot of it is out already, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which which is a problem for them, I think. Mm. Uh, but are we done? I think that, that that about wraps it up, yeah. Yeah, it's probably going to be about two hours today, so uh, let's get the fuck out of Dodge. Um, coming up on next week's show, uh, we're going to have a triple banger review for you. Um, because uh, we're not going to be doing a marathon. So, uh, big cinema release of the week will be Kick-Ass 2, which already seems to be splitting opinion quite wildly. So, that's going to be interesting. Um Seeing it as my birthday film tomorrow, so let's see how that goes down. Um, we're also going to be discussing David Gordon Green's latest, uh, Prince Avalanche, starring Emil Hirsch and Paul Rudd. And uh, we'll also be uh, going balls deep on Lovelace. Which, which, which has been one of my most anticipated films of the year. You dirty man, you. I just love Paul. At Dude and a Monkey, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, and Dude and a Monkey at gmail.com. Um, Mark, have you got anything else to say, or shall we let these lovely people leave? I'm going to go and watch Deep Throat. I'm going to go and watch England, Scotland, what will probably be the most anemic football match you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> yeah, completely pointless. And last but not least, uh, can I just say, happy birthday to Ian for tomorrow, is it, yeah? Yes, it is, sir, bless you. Uh, and also, our happy anniversary for Tuesday. Thank you very much, sir. We, yes, uh, we, we have managed two years. Well done. She hasn't killed me yet. You haven't, you haven't had a child yet. <laughs> that's a fair point, yeah. Four months to go, four months to go. And uh, cool. that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Cool. Right.